let's make this happen. Stream has started. Hello, everybody. It is 10.17. We are almost 20 minutes late. We greatly apologize for the delay. Um, Justin SGP, who was supposed to be responsible for this one, um, we can't find him. We don't know where he is. Um, so we hope that the CIA has not picked him up. Uh, <laughs> but um, in the meantime, you have me. But this time, unlike last time, it is not just me. I am joined by many, many people. So you guys don't have anything to worry about uh, in regards to me rambling. So let's just go ahead and get started introducing everybody that is here that would like to be named and seen and stuff. For those of you who don't know, my name is Diego Salazar. I go by Rarar in the community. I do community work, website work, UIUX work. Um, and I will be heading up this coffee chat today. Let's go ahead and introduce Arctic Mine. Hello, everybody hear me? Um, I don't know. I mean, I've been involved with Monero since 2014. I'm on the core team. I mean, I guess most people know me, so um, don't know what else more to say. Uh, I did attend a couple of conferences lately, which I wanted to sort of speak on DEFCON and another one. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Arctic Mine. Uh, let's go ahead and introduce XMR Scott. Yeah, uh, I'm XMR Scott. Uh, I kind of help with random things, mainly to help on the localization and um, also interested and in, I do help with the DEF CON stuff as well. Great. Uh, I see that we have Rotten here. You want to go ahead and introduce yourself? It would seem that either they do not or are having some issues with audio. So Hello. I also have somebody named... Okay, yeah, sure. Need Money 90. Why don't you go ahead and let people know who you are? I'm a moderator in the community. I do this and that around. Uh, I think a lot about the policies that we instate on our subreddits and try and figure out what the community thinks to actually instate policies that are reasonably decentralized and that people don't complain about, that they tend to anyways. That's what I do. Cool, cool deal. Uh, thanks for coming. And I see we have a person named Chrono on here. Do you, do you want to introduce yourself? Are you just here to chill? Just here to chill, I take it. Okay, well, if at any point any of you random people who came on to this coffee chat want to introduce yourself, just go ahead and interrupt conversations in progress and do so. That's totally fine. Um, so a lot has happened. Um since our last coffee chat, a lot basically meaning DEF CON has happened since our last coffee chat. And I think everybody who has introduced themselves was at DEF CON. So Arctic Mine, Need Money 90, XMR Scott, and myself, all of us were at DEF CON. Um, do, do, from each of you, just briefly, what was your experience with that? How do you think the Monero Village was? Um, yeah, what do you think? Let's start with you, Need Money. So I, I had a great time at DEF CON. Uh, up until the end, I was considering not going. But uh, yeah, I, I got uh, conned into it by someone who's in this current conversation. And uh, I enjoyed every moment of it. We spent I, I spent most of the time at the village. And uh, it was fairly well organized. Uh, though there, there, there were some issues on that front. We do need to to learn how this decentralized coordination stuff works because, like, honestly, not having a, a center to Monero makes it very difficult uh, organization-wise. Um, I mean, we're we're figuring this stuff out as we go along, so we we should probably discuss the organizational issue um, and. There's also been some issues with corporate sponsorship questions uh, that we need to dive into, though. I think that's going to probably happen later on this call. Yeah, those are definitely things that we can discuss here. Um, Scott, what did you think? Uh, I mean, I love it uh, pretty much 
regardless of, I mean, the issues, if only because it's a great opportunity for folk uh, to meet face-to-face as contributors or just fellow Monero lovers. Um, it, and it gives another opportunity outside of Confranco. Um, but yeah, I thought it went better than uh, last time. We had more space, uh, even on like uh, Sunday, which is typically like people, international folk, uh, tend to fly out in the morning. We had a decent amount of people attending the uh, morning events. Um, so I was pleasantly surprised by that. Um, but yeah, as Need Money said, there, there's plenty of uh, improvements that can be made. I think going from last year into this year, we didn't really have a, um, a how would I say, it? like a, a post-mortem right after uh, the previous DEFCON. So perhaps we weren't as focused on improving some of the uh, uh, the scheduling and so forth, uh, the organizational issues. Um, but I think going coming out of our second year, uh, we seem to be more perhaps focused altogether uh, on trying to resolve those issues. So I'm hoping if we're, we're if we're invited back for a third year, that uh, a decent number of those those kinks will be ironed out. So cool deal, Arctic Mine. How do you feel that DefCon went? Well, I actually felt it went very well. I mean, um, I was really impressed with a lot of the talk selection, with some of the other events. I mean, we kind of learned from the previous year. Um, if I were to have a criticism, it's more that the, ven- the venue wasn't optimal. I think the whole setup for DEFCON this year was kind of less than optimal, uh, although it be improved last year. I had the opportunity to attend the um, closing ceremony, so they apparently have a very nice place for next year that uh, Thesis Entertainment is building. Um, so that might help because it, it was a bit fragmented uh, from that perspective. Organizationally, I think the village went very well, um, and I also agree. Yeah, obviously we can improve for for next for next year for what's happened. So yeah, but I was re- I really enjoyed it. Uh, I was mostly there. I hardly outside of the closing ceremony. I didn't go to any of the other DefCon things. So that was kind of my my experience. So, but yeah, I was very positive. Yeah, um, I, I tend to agree. I think this one was much higher quality than last year. I, um, uh, well, I may be a little bit biased. I was the the effective floor manager, running everything, making sure everything was okay, uh, running a, a, a little paid swag shop store for the uh, Monero General Fund. Just hold I, it for one second, Rurar. You didn't absolutely amazing job coordinating everything you spent like so much of your time with the village that you barely got to hang with people i just like want to give a huge huge thanks thank you very much man i appreciate that um it it was it was a lot of fun i yeah the the space was suboptimal and i uh, I think we're too young of a village and too low priority of a village to kind of have a hand in in fighting for a, a bit a better space um as of yet but maybe someday in the future we'll be one of those uh, well-known recurring villages that uh, may have a little bit of sway in asking for a slightly better space. But we'll see what happens next year. Um, I think overall it just went swimmingly. I'm very pleased. I'm very proud of of the team that that worked hard to make that happen. So uh, for those of you who didn't get to go, you missed something special. The, the audios and slides of the talks are available online on this channel, the Monero Community Channel, uh, Monero Community Workgroup Channel. Um, you can look, look for those. Um, it's going to be quite some time before the videos are available to us of, of the speakers. Um, sorry, the talks with the video of the speakers because DEFCON is responsible for getting those, editing those, and releasing those. And it took them quite a while last year. So we'll have to see what that's going to look like this this year. But the audio and slides is pretty good. So uh, go ahead and check those out if you missed if you wanted to see the talks. Um, I also posted a summary into the Monero Reddit, just kind of with the different activities that went on and all the fun stuff that happened. So you can check that post out also. Um, Last but not least, before we kind of start moving into discussion about uh, some of the things that Need Money 90 spoke about. Wait one second. Chad is saying people aren't hearing anything. 
Yeah. For those of you that are on call but are not hearing it, oh, <laughs> I shouldn't be giving instructions over a microphone if you uh, can't hear. But uh, they basically just need to restart Jitsi and see what happens from there. Did... Okay. Uh, lost my train of thought, but that's okay. There's not really anything else we need to cover in, in terms of DEF CON as of late. It was a big success, and a lot of people heard about Monero for either the first time, or you know they were kind of new crypt to cryptocurrencies in general, or maybe they were veterans and they were just asking why Monero over all these other things. And so we got to have a lot of conversations with a lot of different people. So I, I, in that sense, I think it was a very good, successful campaign in terms of marketing, um, which is the bad word here. So let's go ahead and jump right into um, two of these big issues that DEF CON had kind of brought up um, over the course of it. One of it is coordination in decentralization and the other um, corporate sponsorship. I think we can go ahead and tackle, let's go ahead and tackle the corporate sponsorship first. Um, and we can get people's opinions both in chat and here on audio. To sum up the situation for you guys, um, the Monero Village did have a CCS. To, it had two different CCSs to do a couple of things. The first one was a CCS to fund volunteers. There were five volunteers uh, that got paid to go. Um, not in terms of time, but in terms of reimbursement of travel expenses. And those people were Serang, myself, Midi Poet, AJS, and uh, Michael. And then there were also four scholarships that were not all inclusive that were given to uh, four individuals to volunteer their time. Those people were Doug and Sanita from Monero Talk, the Rotten Sox, and um, some uh, a smaller stipend package was given to Kathy Yoon, who was one of the speakers, and to the guy from Ostif, who his name escapes me right now. Um, so those were the scholarship packages given out. But in addition to that money raised from the CCS, Tari and Globy also wanted to be a part of this village. And so they paid um, a couple thousand dollars a piece to uh, have a table and give out free swag. And that money was used to bump up the amount that we were able to reimburse the volunteers, um, those scholarships, so that way it could cover a little bit more of their expenses. Um, as well, it was used to pay for a couple of various things here and there to make the village run smoothly. And we had a surplus of the village that we are hoping to take into next year. So we can either um, request less from the community or maybe just have that on hand in case we need to purchase anything else. Uh, but the, the question becomes, okay, how can Monero, a decentralized community, um, kind of have sponsorships? Is it, is it kind of too corporate looking? What is, what is the deal with that? So um, does anybody want to chime in first, just kind of giving an opinion? Or anything that I missed about this? Need Money 90? I'm going to put you on the spot first because you were the one that brought this up. Yeah, I didn't get my T-shirt. You still have my T-shirt, and you did get your T-shirt. I, no, I got one of them. I got one of them. Okay. My mastering Monero book. You also have. I'm happy to donate to the the organizers and stuff, though. I guess you're. Whoa! Where'd you go? Oh, somebody left. Okay. Um. So I mean, as far as uh, the corporate sponsorship goes, I haven't read Defcon's personal rules on like how this stuff works. Um. Like, how, how do other villages do it? Are they allowed to be corporate? Are they allowed to, like, uh, accept funding from people for swag tables? Or is this just an issue because of who we are? Uh, no, I think, I mean, I know the blockchain village, which is the only other village I went to, and the uh, village that was with us last year in terms of we were um, part of the same village, they were sponsored by Coinbase, and I do, I do recall as I pass a few villages on their banners and on their signs, it says sponsored by, and then there's like six different, six, seven, eight different companies underneath it. Like there was Slack sponsoring, I think the Packet Hacked Village or um, Packet Hacking. Packet Hacking had some sponsors, as I recall. 
Yeah, I believe Rotten Socks got talked to um, by one of the goons at the end of the event, uh, and they were just asking him a lot of questions about, like, who is sponsoring it. And I, I got the sense that they were uh, not happy with that. I, I'm, I'm just curious exactly how we can remedy that in the future because it's, it, it is a little concerning. Um, I, I can understand why the event would be wary to have cryptocurrency projects going and doing advertisement uh, at their event, though I don't think Monero should belong in that category. I understand the general blanket sentiment. Um, and... I, I guess I'm curious just to get an idea of what their policies are and which side of the line that we're falling on in their eyes at the moment and how we can have a better relationship with the event in the future. Because I certainly think that we should continue going to this event. Sure. I mean, if there's anything that we can do to uh, increase the optics of DEF CON, we definitely don't want to do anything to alienate them and jeopardize our, our uh, future prospects of yeah, having a village. Absolutely. Um, oh, oops, sorry. Uh, XMR Scott just posted a link to the Packet Hacking Village sponsors page. I'm going to go ahead and post this into the chat at large. Everyone is welcome to open that up. Um, anybody else have any opinions on sponsorship of the Monero Village? Should we avoid, should we do all CCS in the future? Should we do, um, are we okay with some kind of corporate sponsors? If so, which corporate sponsors? Because maybe just because Tari and Globy have kind of connections to Monero through Fluffy Pony, are we giving them more of a free pass than other things? What would happen if Coinbase came to us and said they wanted to sponsor, give us some money in exchange for giving out free swag? It should be noted that what the sponsors got in return for their money was a table to give out free stuff. They didn't sell anything and um, Tari did have a talk, but that wasn't pay to play in terms of they paid for it. So um, they got a talk. All talks were still chosen um, by the um, the call for paper, call for proposals, call for papers team, the C CFP team. Um, and their talks was one of the ones that was chosen, not because they paid anything, but because it still went through the process. So the only thing that these sponsors got in return was giving out free swag at a table that they had to supply. So um, that, that would kind of be, in my opinion, the all that we would be able to offer in the future if we did decide to continue to go this route. But does anybody have any opinions uh, regarding whether or not this should continue? And if so, how? And what sort of guidelines we might put up so we don't get some some people maybe like Tron are coming in here and deciding to sponsor the Monero village. Um, if I may say so, there's a couple of things. First thing, I think we need to make a distinction between what are our requirements as a decentralized community and what are DEF CON's requirements, um, because they will be different. And I think we have to be very cognizant of what is specifically a DEF CON's requirements. Um, and so essentially, they have to meet both. They would have to meet whatever the requirements for DEF CON are, and we need to be aware of that. And also what our requirements as a decentralized community would be. And then it's essentially the intersection of both that the sponsorship would have to meet. Um, I can't really comment on the DEF CON side. Um, I think that's something we need to make sure we research and find exactly what the policies are and that we're in compliance and that we're, you know, we're not pushing the limits or anything like that. I don't think we should be doing that. On our side, I mean, I think it becomes very obvious where you draw the line. Uh, if you're dealing with payment processes, you're dealing with an exchange, you're dealing with relatively reputable members of the community that are active in Monero on a commercial basis, then I don't see a particular problem with sponsorship along the lines of what was essentially proposed. Uh, but obviously, you know, there has to be a betting process for this. And if it, I think and the, and the cases where it doesn't work, it becomes obvious. But I think primarily, uh, you know, unless we're collaborating with somebody, a rival cryptocurrency will be obviously not a reasonable sponsor. An exchange that lists Monero would be. An exchange that doesn't list Monero is kind of a bit of an odd choice. But I mean, you get the idea, a payment processor, those kind of things would, would make sense. Um, I mean, if you look at the history, you know, what has been done a lot of the Bitcoin conferences, that's typically the pattern that you find. Uh, and that's reasonable. 
That's from our perspective as a community, but you also have to intersect with DEFCON needs. Here's a question. Uh, do we consider uh, in allowing somebody to sponsor our project at DEFCON uh, to be a tacit endorsement of their product, or are we completely divorced from endorsement when accepting uh, sponsorships? I know this wasn't an issue at this event, but I can imagine in the future this might be an issue if somebody wants to donate, uh, but we do not want to take their funds. I mean, it, I guess one of the things it might, might depend on is uh, that that's a good question. Um, I think different people are going to think different things about this. As as an example, um, if you've gone to that link of the Packet Hacking Village sponsors, uh, there's quite a number of things on there. Tinder being the platinum sponsor, and you know some things underneath that. Um, do just kind of inside of you. Do you feel when you see that list, okay, the Packet Hacking Village is recommending these things, or do you think these things are giving Packet Hacking Village money to appear on their stuff? I, I personally think that the people that go to DEF CON are suspicious enough and are of potentially high enough caliber that they might recognize that these villages don't happen for free and they take a lot of work and money helps. And so um, there's a transactional thing going on there. In, in my opinion, I think people are would understand that. As an example, this is the uh, Monero little booklet that we gave out at the village and it had um, our schedule. It had, you know, kind of information for the CTF. You scan the QR code to start the CTF. And, you know, it was, it was, it was a really cool little resource that we have. Um, we made the decision, even though we had the sponsors, Tari and Globy, to not put our sponsors on this booklet. But we do have them listed on the website, MoneroVillage.org. Um, and if you scroll to the bottom of that page, you'll see that they are there. I, I think... I think it it depends almost on how heavily we are promoting our sponsors. Um, are they on the booklets and the website and the banners that we hang up and the everything type thing? I mean, if we designate them to, we thank our like to to sections that explicitly say we thank our sponsors as opposed to just plastering their image everywhere, right? If every time one of our sponsors appears in terms of logo or name, it is in a section that says, thanks to our sponsors. At that point, I think people understand. It's very explicitly spelled out. These people are sponsoring the village as opposed to if we just have a banner with the Monero village and then we also put these things there, it may be looking more like an endorsement from that sense. So I think as long as everything is properly labeled in that sense, I think we should be kind of okay. That's my opinion. Okay. Anybody disagree? That's a reasonable position to take, in my opinion. Um, yo, yeah, and, oh, you, and you have to realize, too, I mean, with respect okay. to kind of the, the goon anecdote, they may not necessarily, with all due respect to whoever it was, they may not necessarily be familiar with DEF CON's sponsorship policy, per se. Granted, we aren't either, um, so, I mean, they can't speak to why they might take issue with us as opposed to the, the packet hacking village next door. But I mean, that, that's something we can always ask through like the of, official slash unofficial DEF CON channels going into, you know, DEF CON 28 next year is w does DEF CON have any policy that we should be abiding by for uh, DEF CON? And, you know, if, goons perhaps take issue then we have some sort of official comms to reference and say you know we checked with defcon back in like february march when we started organizing this uh, and we can say confidently we're in the clear yeah i think i i do think this is one of the things we should be prioritizing for the next defcon uh, because i do not want this to become an issue in the future or a sticking point I, I think this is going to be a little bit overblown. Just the fact that other villages do have sponsorships, um, I think is not, it points to the fact that this is not only okay. And like the packet hacking village is one of the biggest villages. So maybe they're not the greatest example, but um, 
some maybe they can get away with more things, whereas somebody new might be expected to bootstrap a little bit more um, just to kind of prove themselves. And I can see how, because Monero is part of, once again, like Money 90 said, uh, the cryptocurrency community has been known for having these partnerships and the sponsors and the, you know, just being very corporate and very silly that um, kind of with Monero, they're looking at it a little bit more, um, strictly but this would be something that it would be difficult to kind of get a handle on I, i'll go ahead and contact the head of villages to get their opinion about this uh for the next time but yeah i think goons are also fairly quote-unquote decentralized they know what they're supposed to enforce they know certain rules but they don't necessarily speak for defcon as a whole so maybe one or two Is anybody there yes see ya Is, can you hear us I'm telling Arctic Mind to refresh the page. Sorry, guys, for all if there's technical issues we did not have. We need to start this at 8.30 next time, just so <laughs> we can get everybody organized. This needs to be an hour and a half event, not an hour one, because this is a recurring theme. We, we definitely need time beforehand to do the troubleshooting of the audiovisual type things. Um, yeah, uh, so. But uh, anyway, what, what was I just saying before this? Goons and yeah, 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 yeah. Or... So, so goons have their own opinions. They have their own biases. This kind of thing. They, they would, they do not necessarily represent the project. So, if a skeptical goon comes by and is like, "Oh, look at your sponsorships," that is not necessarily speaking for DefCon as a whole. Um, and if a goon comes by and he's perfectly okay with it, that also doesn't mean that they're speaking for DefCon as a whole. So, just, so, just something to keep in mind regarding these these anecdotes. Um, but Vic is asking about sponsorship. So from the chat, Vikrant Sharma, who, for those of you who don't know, is the um, the Cake Wallet. Cake Wallet. Yes, the owner, the creator of Cake Wallet. Sorry, I was looking for that word. I thought, I uh, thought you were going to get it, and I cut it up. Uh, he's asking where people ask to sponsor. So this is actually a good question. This year, Tari and Globy approached us about a place to have a table and we told them here's the price and they paid it um i think justin did talk to kraken but for the most part we didn't advertise that we were taking on sponsors um it's kind of if people asked us that they wanted to do something special in the village we we gave them a price to do so um this is probably in future years, so maybe we still take on sponsors, but in future years, should we actively solicit sponsors? And so for Vic, I'm sorry if you feel uh, slightly offended or that you weren't contacted. Um, uh, this was probably a fluke on our part. We probably could have got more money. We probably could have got more sponsors if we had talked to more people. Um, but is this something that we want to pursue in the future? Let's say, let's assume theoretically that we talk to DEF CON and they say, oh, no, you guys are good. You guys are all okay. Uh, we don't mind sponsors, you know, as long as you guys are transparent about it, whatever, right? Where your money's coming from. Is it is actively looking for sponsors something that we do want to do? The primary benefit of that would be that we don't have to ask the community for money. Why is this a big thing? Because then the community can put their money to things like the Monero Research Lab or to funding Monero Moo or things like that because... Uh, for those of you who check the CCS very often, sometimes it can be difficult to get some of these bigger things funded. And so if we're not asking the community to send, um, to pay for travel expenses and to pay for kind of random expenses, then this frees up some some capital to go um, in other places in the community where it's needed that would not necessarily get corporate sponsorships. What are your guys' opinions on that? I mean, I, I also think that uh, corporate sponsorship just makes sense in this kind of a decentralized community. Um, if you are a company that's making money off of the protocol, it is in your best interest to maintain the protocol and actually promote its development. Um, I, I don't necessarily think that the users should be the ones who have the, the burden of supporting the protocol, but the people who are actually making money, absolutely. Um, that's just my opinion, I guess, but it, it makes a lot of sense to get some corporate sponsorship for this these kind of events as long as it's fully labeled. Scott, so you gave an opinion in regards to kind of trying to clear up the DEF CON situation, but I'd just like to hear your personal opinion about this. Yeah, I mean, I have no issue with sponsorships. I think Need Money uh, put it quite nicely. I mean, 
often in the thought space, like with Amazon and other corporate uh, users of like free open source software, you don't typically see them necessarily give back or give back relative notably to you know the profits that they make off of the software um so i think yeah similar to also what you said like we definitely still have some improvements that we can make in terms of like better enabling people to contribute to the ccs um so that we're less dependent on like whales and so forth but yeah it really i think would help to have corporate sponsors so that next year we aren't necessarily reliant on a CCS, and then those monies can go towards, like, you said, the Monero Research Lab and, you know, DSC, GUI contributors, etc., etc. Because I think, like, a good example to, like, maybe dive a little bit more into detail, if I remember correctly, was it, I think, Saray? I, I haven't checked to see if Saray has been funded yet, but his his proposal has been open for, like, uh, for funding for, like, a month now, right? If I'm remembering correctly. So, like, the the more money that we free up uh, for basically kind of Xing out stuff that would otherwise take a CCS, that's more money that can quickly go into, um, you know, as you said, Monero Research Lab, et cetera, et cetera. So, so I, I want to expand this conversation out a bit and talk to uh, Arctic Mine regarding his opinions about this expanded conversation. And so if you go to getmonero.org, um, I'll go ahead and post the link here. But if you go to getmonero.org, under community, the community tab, there is sponsorships here. So I'm going to go ahead and paste this into the chat, this link. Um, and you'll see, you know, we've got Kitware, Jet, JetBrains, uh, Fork Networking, Araxis, Simus, Navicat. Um, the understanding that I have, speaking with the core team, is that each of these corporations um, in some way has... Uh, either given heavily discounted software, free software, or um, otherwise provided um, things for the Monero project, such as you know infrastructure, servers, like Fork Networking uh, donates a rather rather large storage server that um, we that I was I was planning to use to. Okay, my plans for that don't matter, but um, uh, each of these corporations has donated considerable stuff, not just little itty bitty stuff, but um, fairly considerable stuff to the Monero project. Um, and I think it does need to be updated because I think um, I was told that some of these people don't provide anything anymore. But let's go ahead and expand the conversation kind of out to the Monero project in general, this idea of um, either actively soliciting or not so much actively soliciting corporations to um, donate to the Monero project in some form or another, whether that is in the form of money, whether that is in the form of free Just call it a tithe. Just call it a what? Tithe. We can tithe. Okay. Yeah, they, they can give 10% of their income to our, our organization. Yeah, yeah, it works well. Um, Arctic Mine, uh, and, and really anybody else, uh, what is your opinion of kind of actively soliciting more of this kind of thing? Does it, does it hurt the heart and soul of what Monero is supposed to be? Or is it just a necessary cost of doing business? Or as long as they don't expect XYZ in return and they know that we are a decentralized community and we get, have very limited in terms of what we can give back to them. So it's mostly out of the goodness of their heart that they're doing this. What is everybody's opinions about kind of doing this on the Monero project level as a whole? I mean, I'm going to ask you first. Oh, okay. Yes, shut up, Doug. No, Arctic Mine. I'm not sure that he can hear. Okay. Still, so, so, I mean, uh, <laughs> if if there's companies that are actually making money in this space, it, I don't know. There, there's this this ecosystem needs to be self-sustaining expecting the community to just keep spend um to keep spending their money especially in the long run uh when the market cap has has reached a, a peak i don't i don't know what the peak will be but at, at some point i assume that our price is going to be fairly stable um and at that point expecting that the infrastructure development is going to continue uh, off of the donations of the individuals who are participating. <clears throat> I mean, I do think it should be the individuals who are participating, but if we want it to be self-sustaining, it needs to be the people who are making a profit off of it. So who are providing services or doing things on the protocol and like making money. And from, from that perspective, I mean, that 
what is that but a corporation or an individual who's acting in a corporate capacity? Like if, if they're acting on their protocol to make money, um, it, it's, it's in everybody's interests, I guess. Like I, I, I can understand why uh, the community with its political leanings would be opposed to corporate sponsorship and stuff, but I, I personally don't really see a problem with it. So Arctic Mine, are, are you back with us now? Yes, I am. Okay, so the standing question is kind of taking this idea of corporate sponsorship on the DEF CON Village level and kind of moving the conversation a bit broader in the sense that the getmonero.org website has a small list of sponsors that have donated some things to the Monero project in terms of software um, uh, for discounted or free, right? And so kind of taking this conversation to a larger level uh, about soliciting sponsors for the Monero project as a whole. Should this be something that we should be doing? Is it something that goes against the heart and soul of the project? Um, if the answer is yes, you know, how actively should we be doing it? What should we be offering in return? If anything, um, if no, you know, kind of why not? What's your opinion on that? Well, I think we should follow sort of the lead of organizations like the Free Software Foundation, some of many major open source projects which they accept uh, a, a certain amount of corporate sponsorship, but there's also certain criteria and guidelines what they do with that. Um, and that would be kind of the way you do it. I mean, it, it goes along lines of the discussion that we we're having before. I mean, what do we give the sponsor? Maybe, for example, you know, do the certain things we do, like you mentioned the name, et cetera, et cetera, but it shouldn't be endorsation. I mean, it's a gray area. I mean, I agree, but I mean, you know, I think this is not unique to Monero. I mean, it's there's a lot of uh, projects that have a similar sort of question and similar discussions, and we're, we're going to learn from that. Yeah, great. Thank you. Um, uh, so, so uh, uh, Cacti One Hundred One uh, mentioned in the chat, uh, it'd be nice to know exactly why a sponsor gets listed on that page too, so everybody can see that no favorites are made. Um, I, I was thinking about that as well. I, I've got uh, some concerns about, for example, uh, having a the sponsors listed in the order of how much they've donated, because at that point it's basically pay to play to get yourself at the top of the list if we allow all sponsors. But if we don't allow sponsors, we need some sort of criteria for not allowing them. Um, it, it might make sense, uh, for example, to have a list where we only list people who've donated in the past month, but that also has some issues that you could probably think of. Uh, another idea would probably be, hey, um, I mean, I, I, I don't know. This, this is a complicated issue because if you don't list people in order of their contribution, you just get a bunch of people who are like, oh, I can donate $5 and get my company on the sponsor list. Let's go do it. Um, I mean, maybe yeah. you have a minimum donation and list in alphabetical order. Just well, yeah. if I may say, I mean, the if you look at a lot of company, uh, a lot of organizations do, they sort of have various tiers of sponsorship. If you're at a certain level, then you get a certain level of sponsorship. I mean, that's reasonable. And so that um, if it's very small, then you get like a, just maybe a one-liner. And if you're a major contributor, you get a, a larger a sponsorship. Um, the, I mean, like I, if we look at some of the examples, I mean, for example, I would, I would look at what the FSF is doing. It's a good example because they have a similar sort of issue. They're very specific about values and about certain ethical issues. And so those are questions, yet they balance that with corporate sponsorship. So that's, for example, an idea that we can learn from. Um, and, and the reason I picked the FSF is because they, they have very strict ideas about ethics, also involved in how they handle it. So am I going dead again here? No, 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 yeah, we, we yeah. hear you. Um, okay, good. I, I'm just thinking to myself yeah so the chat has asked a couple of good questions that i would like to highlight um so anon anon asks well, what's the problem with racing to the top in regard to donation amount so the idea being that uh if people try to like okay i want to be on the top of the page they would probably have to uh pay quite a, a large amount of money which could only be good for the monero project in terms of giving it to to, to um 
people like Monero Moo and the Monero Research Lab. Um, or and another question asked by Cacti101: What if Facebook decided to donate ten million dollars? You know, uh, would we happily accept their money in exchange for listing them on on the site? So I think this just kind of further goes into Need Money '90s idea of codifying how you get on that page, what kind of sponsors we will accept, uh, what kind of sponsors we we won't accept. Um, but. Uh, it, it's a difficult question. It's something that we would like some more clarification on. I think similar to, for those of you who didn't know, in terms of the past website, the website before this one that I designed, there was also kind of like a hall of fame area where people who donated to the general fund or the then known as the foreign funding system were given ridiculously named tiers um, <laughs> based off of how much money uh, they had donated to to the Monero project. And it was a fun little page, but when the site was redesigned, it was decided that this page would be retired. I mean, Monero was growing much larger than was manageable to keep track of people's donations for one. And for two, it was not necessarily the direction that the, the core team was wanting to take the Monero project. So maybe it's time to have a similar discussion for the sponsorship page. Is it time to retire this page? Because I think um, some of these sponsorships are, are or no longer have been valid for quite some time. Um, the question was about my Monero. Why are they on there? Um, I, I have uh, an answer for that. I that I think is correct. So if it's not, please forgive me. You can ask Fluffy Pony for more details. But back in the day, and I think even still currently, uh, a good portion of my Monero was, well, no, my Monero was paying a person to work semi full time on Monero in that time. Uh, and I think that person was pigeons, like working on infrastructure and making sure everything was up and going. So I think they got on that page via that. But I don't know if that's still in, in play or, um, what the deal with all this, the current sponsors there is. Um, I think each of, we need to have a conversation with the core team about each of them. What are they currently giving, if anything? Should they still be on there? Should we retire this page in its entirety? Or should we be looking to expand this page? Um, that said, unless there's any last minute thoughts on this particular topic, I would like to move on to the next discussion about uh, coordinating a decentralized community and what that might look like. So, but before we do that, is there any last minute thoughts on this topic from the chat, from anyone present? No, okay. Just as a reminder to those of you who are on the call, if you are not speaking, if you could mute yourself just so we don't get any random um, audio buzz, that kind of thing, great, fantastic. I think that improves the quality value. Okay, so decentralized coordination. Uh, it's really difficult. DEFCON highlighted a few problems with that. You know, one of, at, at our post-DEFCON debriefing, one of the things people kept talking about was we would like a central hub for information so everyone knows what's going on. Um, I think it's, I think it's difficult, and we're going to get some opinions here very soon. Uh, but the idea that uh, organizing, coordinating cohesively uh, a bunch of different people and a bunch of different work groups that are all working on their own stuff. For example, in DEFCON, the CTF people were working on their own thing. And the uh, the hardware work group was doing their own thing over on one table, and uh, they, as the DefCon Village work group was was um, kind of trying to coordinate all of this. I was trying to coordinate a lot of these people and talk with a bunch of these people. But everyone is giving communication in varying amounts based off what they feel they can or cannot share, um, or the communication broke down in a lot of areas. What what can be done to improve this in the future? And it's not just for DEF CON, you know, C3 is similar or anything that we do in the future where there's a bunch of different people or a bunch of different work groups all coming together to try to make something big happen. How, how can we go about doing this in a way that is more cohesive, that there's not as much chaos, but um, still kind of preserves everyone's ability to do things their own way in terms of decentralization? Need money, ninety. Once again, putting you on the spot because you brought the. Sorry, uh, I am talking to people in chat. I was not paying attention. Well, that takes precedence, obviously. So I'm going to go ahead and pass the it YouTube over to chat Scott. For this discussion, Scott. by the way. 
what was that? Sorry. Need money? I I'm talking in the YouTube chat for this. Okay. Discussion. Yeah. So, I mean, it, part of it was, I mean, we, I mean, you, to, to clarify, we're talking specifically about the issue, the issue with like comms channels, correct? And how we coordinate comms kind of, right? Error, or, okay, I'm back. Yeah. So, yeah. um, I mean, I, I, I don't want to say it was like super rushed per se, but there was sort of a, um, we kind of coordinated the comms channel maybe week of kind of deal. So there wasn't necessarily like a run up to a decent run up to the actual DEF CON event itself of, Hey, this is how we're expecting people to communicate kind of deal over, you know, wire or whatever. Um, and so the, that expectation wasn't perhaps necessarily in place. Um, I, I know that we are kind of trying to even now um, explore potential like communication channels to use for next DEFCON and for other events um, in terms of what's best in terms of security, privacy, etc. Um, but yeah, I, I think. Perhaps the biggest point was just that there wasn't a, to my knowledge anyways, there it was very much kind of a spontaneous, oh, hey, you aren't in, you know, the wire group. Let's invite this person to the wire group so that they're uh, synced up with, um, you know, everyone else kind of deal. So I, I think going forward, if, you know, if we just tell people, you know, this is going to be the primary comms channel, whether that's, you know, the Globy people, the Target folk, et cetera, et cetera. If we give them more time and then that gives them time to object and be like, actually, I think this method would be better and we can kind of hash it out and figure out what's mutually best for everyone in sort of like a loose consensus kind of way, then it, the comms will be better, but yeah. Okay, great, uh, need money? Uh, we're, we're, I mean, we're figuring this stuff out as we go along. I've, I've really liked the wire chat personally, um, though there is a concern with you need to have it either on a burner or uh, be fairly lax about your security if you bring your primary phone to DEFCON. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how many of the, I, I mean, I guess most of them work with burners, which is what's recommended when you go to these events. Um, yeah, wire wire has been really nice. Uh, just personal usage. Uh, why did we decide against Briar again? Uh, Briar is Android only. Um, okay. And some people have iOS, so I, I don't necessarily want to discuss messenger like individual messengers. I mean, we can have a a chat about that, even live stream it, it and kind of talk about the benefits and pros and cons of different ones at, a, at another time, but kind of just improving decentralized coordination as a whole is the general theme here. If you wanted to comment. Okay. I'm not sure whether having more regular or less regular meetings would be more beneficial for uh, helping coordination because one of the issues is, is we have things happen more frequently, less people come to each individual one. Um, and when they're more of an event, people can actually discuss things better. Um, I, th I think for community coordination, we do need to be in the same room uh, discussing things. Like the same literal room or something like this? No, no, like, like this, like this kind of situation, okay. what we're doing right now. Um, I, I think I, I'm see the coffee chats. I I really want more viewership and and people coming on. Yeah, I, I think I'm gonna work on that for next week. Let's let's work on getting more people into the coffee chat next week to discuss stuff. Yeah, some of the best coffee chats have definitely been when we've got like eight or nine all active present people yeah. that are you know willing to chime in and, and talk about some stuff. And we have we have had some of those. So if you go check in some of our previous coffee chats, uh, we have one every month. Um, I don't remember if it's the last week of the month or the first week of the month. I thought it was the first week of the month, uh, which is why I wasn't necessarily expecting this one. But that was DefCon. We we postponed it because of DefCon. And, okay, I got you. Uh, that makes so a lot. Many people, so many people weren't able to come, which is why this meeting is now a discussion of DEFCON. Uh, 
Got it. Okay. Um, Arctic Mind, did you have anything to say kind of about general coordination uh, of a decentralized community, how it can be improved, um, if we can improve it at all, or if it's worth trying to improve? What you're trying to really accomplish is um, consensus about decentralized groups. And essentially, if there's no, if it's reasonably good consensus, that should be doable. And then the mechanics are, well, you know, where do we meet or where do we find a medium that is inclusive enough for the entire group in question? And that's where you get into, uh, you know, what's the best way to do that. But if you've got enough overall consensus and there's no, you know, fundamental controversies, then each group or each group of people should be able to reach a reasonable consensus on how to work together on to accomplish something like, say, for example, a Monero village. But that's, I think, the issue. Uh, and then, of course, uh, you have to find a medium that is um, inclusive enough of the group. That would be the answer, the, the criteria there. And this is where proprietary chats get sometimes into trouble, but that's a separate question entirely. All right, everyone. Um, even though we started 20 minutes late, um, I don't know whether people are trying to get out of here or stick around or if we have any other things to discuss. Um, it is 11.08, so in theory, we've gone for about 50 minutes. Um, we can try to go for the hour, but maybe people were hoping to be out of here by 11. Uh, is there any other topics anyone would yeah. like to briefly touch on? Actually, there is. OK, um, let's talk about them. The current uh, discussion on uh, the uh, getmonero.org website, uh, CCS requests, or not CCS requests, um, the merge request to add the Garda wallet uh, to our downloads page. And uh, additionally, this brings into question our policy of openly endorsing slash listing, even, even with a notice, uh, closed source software on our uh, community hubs. And I, I think this is a discussion worth having at this point, maybe, unless unless you think this is better for a different time. No, 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 that, that, that sounds pretty good. Um, I'd like to give some background to this. Uh, I had been contacted by, so I'm the one who made the merge request. I had been contacted by Garda Wallet, I would say probably two months ago. And they asked me, what does it take to get listed on there, um, to get listed on the downloads page? Uh, and I, at the time, I was very busy with DEF CON, and so I told them, uh, they, they kept coming back to me kind of every week, hey, what's the process on this? What's the deal with this? And I, I told them, frankly, uh, are you guys open source? They said, yeah, kind of. Uh, you know, so obviously, Cake Wallet, Mineroio, which are listed on there, are open source. My Monero has some closed source segments, although I keep, <laughs> Paul gets mad at me for saying that, and I, I think I have, I may have a misunderstanding of, on that, but from my understanding, it has some closed source segments. So, um, but it is it is listed on there. So, uh, kind of, is there favoritism? There, there's that discussion, and we'll get into that here in just a bit. But uh, they kept poking at me, and I told them, I don't think the community is going to go for this, but I will go ahead and open up the merge request for you. Um, and I, the reason I, I decided to do that was because I, I figured it would lead to this discussion point uh, where the community can talk about this. If if I didn't feel that it would kind of lead to this kind of good beneficial conversation, I would like, look, open it up yourself. But um, so there is a MR, there is a merge request right now, which I am posting right now onto the, um, the chat. And you can go ahead and read through the things that have been commented already. But the question is, um, regarding not just Garda Wallet, but this kind of sets a precedent for the future, what is our policy on listing closed source wallets? Just, well, not necessarily policy, but what is our feel as a community on listing closed source wallets? What is our feel as a community on um, uh, marketing that may not be exactly, it's not presenting it as it is, for example, um, not only is Garda not really open source, um, there is, they have some repos that are open source, but as Erchichoni mentions inside of the uh, link that I just posted to you all, the Monero Android wallet actually doesn't have Monero in it, which is a pretty big, it kills the MR and it's, it kills the merge request. No, they fixed it. They right. fixed everything. Oh, they did they? Everything. Yeah, everything's been fixed. This is, this okay. is uh, no longer actually an issue. 
Great. Okay. So now we can just kind of focus on the whole closed source aspect of it. What, what does everybody think about that? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I would like to take it even one step further. If we are only allowing open source projects, uh, do we allow, quote, open source, unquote, projects? Uh, for example, Android apps or iOS apps, which have uh, non-deterministic build processes and you're unable to verify that the binary in question actually matches up with the source code in question. Um, if, if we list them on, like we, we, we don't have any way of verifying that the code that's on Google Play or on Apple Store is the code in question unless they're using a deterministic build process. So that, I mean, even if it's quote open source unquote, we, we can't prove that the code there that's running is even like, <laughs> as as non-malicious uh, or malicious as some some person providing a completely closed source solution. I mean, I guess you can decompile the application, but it gets it gets difficult. I I think I'm 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 really not sure where to draw the line personally. Um. Well, there's a couple of issues here, and, and this is a. A sense, very sensitive talk. First of all, objectively, closed source software could legitimately be considered a security threat. And I say this very straightforward in a decentralized network because the whole security model of Monero is based upon open source and a distributed network. If you have closed source software and it becomes dominant, then whoever controls that code is in fact no longer is an attack on decentralization. So that's the general sort of question on that. Now, where it gets really tricky, and then specifically dealing with mobile, is where you had these proprietary stores, and you have no way of verifying that the source that is actually released by Apple, for example, or Google, is actually what you think it is. And to a large degree, you have to trust the uh, developers that they are actually reputable enough to put out a legitimate source code that is compilable into sort of a side-loadable app, I guess would be the answer, which you could then, in, on Android, you could, you could then verify that this is essentially what it's doing. But there is a trust element there. Now, when the developers themselves are trying to close the code, I would say no. If it's an issue of dealing with the iOS and to a lesser degree, but also the same case of the Play Store, then, uh, then I think we have to give the, the developers some slack, but at the same time, we've got to be make sh making sure that it is truly an open source product and that it, whatever issues are caused by the store and not by the developer. And that's the distinction that I think we have to make in these situations. And would would labeling closed source projects as closed source used with caution not be enough in this instance? So if we do list a closed source wallet, we, we put a, a big little yellow thing, which is what I did. If anyone wants to build and compile this website, uh, um, this uh, the website from this merge request, you'll see that it's not just Garda wallet listed there. There's like a big yellow box that says closed source used with caution. But in this particular example, we're dealing with closed source because the developers want to close it, not because the store non-deterministic build issue that, that was raised before. I mean, is it a closed source product per se? In which case, I suggest it shouldn't be listed. Actually. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess this goes into what the, the purpose of the page is. Is this meant to be a page of endorsed applications or is it meant to be an ecosystem directory? And in the latter case, I see absolutely no issue with listing the closed source wallets with a warning. Um, well, it, 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 it's a question of, because that's the second issue that, that you raised, which of course is the question of deterministic builds. And there's where I'm willing to, to say that there should be some uh, some flexibility if the issue is caused by the store and not by the developer. But if the developer wants a closed source wallet, what's the argument? What's the case? Why do they want to close it? Uh, generally, it's because they have a lot of developers that have put a lot of work and time into um, doing the styling uh, and application design, and they don't want some Chinese developer or somebody going and ripping it off and throwing it on the store. Uh, okay, but why don't they use a copyleft? Because here's the other problem. If no, because copyleft doesn't particularly work on, on 
these things. It's well, sure it does. I mean, if you if you have a copylefted uh, product, first of all, uh, you you cannot close sources, and then you can provide well, okay, a specific so, I mean, exemption in, in in the case that you want to deal with it. So, what is the reason to close sources? That's important, I think. Do, do we want to dictate licenses for our ecosystem? Well, I'm simply saying that, not specifically, but I'm simply saying that when you're dealing with closed source software, you're dealing with a potential security threat. In, and, and I think we're going to be cognizant of this fact. In the case of Garda Software, I did ask them point blank. I said, why do you guys, I, like I told them, open source your software. I know it's very, <laughs> it's very presumptuous to tell a business what to do with their stuff. But I told them, open source your software. Why is it not open source? And they said, the, the reasoning that they gave was, and it's probably, it's, it's a reasoning that I've heard from other businesses, and it's the weakest reasoning in the world. It's so stupid. They're like, well, we don't want um, scammers to easily be able to make a, to copy our wallet and distribute it. Uh, so it looks like it's coming from Garda, but really it's going to steal your private keys. That uh, actually does happen, by the way. This is a thing that has happened multiple times in the past. Can I, 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 share, can I share a specific case that I had in dealing with that very issue? And it's sure. totally different environment. We are dealing with, and, and, and both the, the operating system and the server were closed source. I, I spent a lot of time troubleshooting connecting Windows XP to Windows Server 2003. And I traced it down to a fake version of the of VN, VLC, the video player. And the reason I found it is because they were infringing on the GPL. And it was exactly what you're saying, that you take something that's open and then they present it as something else and they add advertising and stuff like that. That in itself is not a reason to close source something. Uh, it is a reason to take precautions. It is a reason to use trademarks properly. It is a reason to look at copylefts, but it's not a reason because, I mean, I found the problem on, on essentially a copyleft violation. But it's not a reason to do that. There's a lot of lame reasons why companies don't want to go there. And, and yes, I think we should draw the line on closed source software unless it's a, an externalized issue with a, a Play Store that you can't do deterministic builds, etc. I, I would agree that it's not a reason to, to close source software. Um, uh, You've got to ask the why. And if it's naivety, if they don't understand, then saying no is maybe a, a reasonable way to go. Because, quite honestly, I mean, I, I still stand by my point of view. I consider closed source software, especially if it involves DRM. Now, I'm speaking from Canada, uh, and I know a lot especially of people here in the United States. Especially if it involves your money as well. Yeah, because well, that's the problem. It's, it's, a, it's a whole security model is based upon the fact that it's distributed. I mean, if you look at basically what Monero does is you created a multi-billion dollar cryptocurrency, which is a, it's a over a billion dollars, and the entire premise of its security is software freedom. So it goes right to the heart of the issue. And if you look at anything as closed source or proprietary, it becomes a security threat. So I, I think what it really comes down to actually is what is getmonero.org, the website, trying to be? Is it trying to be a one-stop shop for all information Monero? Because if it is, then closed the directory. source should be listed there because they are a part of the Monero ecosystem regardless of what their licensing is? Or is it trying to be an idealistic gateway into the world of Monero? Yeah. Well, I, I think that, that people need to have a certain degree of reliability that they're not going to get something that's putting them at risk when they're downloading software. And that, I think, is the, is the issue. I mean, putting warnings next to stuff does accomplish that purpose. Well, to a degree it does, but it also, I mean... I mean, you're exposing yourself to a lot of questions. You're exposing yourself to liability, in my opinion, also. So, so just my opinion regarding the question that I just stated earlier, I do think it is the second option. I do think that getmonero.org is a gateway into Monero that is very much founded on ideals. Um, I would not be against another website existing that is just an all-inclusive directory of everything that has ever happened in Monero and all the things that currently exist in Monero. Um, I'm not against that website existing, but I don't think getmonero.org is that website or is trying to be that website or has ever really tried to be that no, website. No, it's not. It's not that website. It intends to to send the message of you can trust it. 
And, and I think that's the danger with listing a closed source wallet, uh, especially something like a wallet. Um, so that's just my own feeling on it. And so we are, in a sense, dictating licensing. We're not dictating specific licensing. We're simply saying it has to be essentially floss. I would say it should be either freely, uh, it's got to be considered free software and open source software, uh, which is a general sort of term. And then that would be a reasonable criteria. Uh, Do you have to draw the line at free software? Well, it's the same thing. I mean, it's the, 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 the free software that is not open source, open source is not free software, is a de minimis, minuscule percentage of, of applications with really obscure licenses that nobody uses. Uh, if you any of the mainstream licenses, they're going to be both. So that's why you take the position that it should be both free software and open source software. Um, but my my real concern is if there's a security threat. I, I really do consider it a security threat. And we've got to be right, realize that the nature of what secures Monero as a cryptocurrency is software freedom and open source, whatever you want to call it, whatever side you want to call it. But it's a, it, that is the basis of the security model. So if you threaten the security model, then you're, then you're basically creating a security risk. All right, everybody. We are now officially over the 60-minute mark. We have gone past an hour. It's been great discussion. Um, I, I really do appreciate this. And if you have any strong feelings regarding the Garda wallet in particular, um, even if it means just talking about these overarching ideals, I encourage you to go to that merge request that is open and comment on it because these types of things are great, but when it comes to making individual decisions like the Garda wallet, it really helps to have a good amount of discussion to point to uh, when we're talking about set precedents for whether or not we should merge or not merge something. So please do go comment on that if you feel strongly one way or the other, or even if you don't, you know, just make your opinion known. It's very helpful. Monero is a community-driven project, and if you exist in the Monero community, you are a part of that community. You drive that community. So make your voice heard. We all want to um, uh, make Monero better. So uh, give us your opinion on how that is done. Thank you so much, everybody, for coming to the Monero Coffee Chat. We once again apologize for the delay. We'll try to figure out what happened to Justin, make sure he's alive and well. And um, next month should hopefully be a little uh, smoother and we'll have uh, time to, for those who want to join to kind of do mic checks and try to get everything sorted out in terms of Jitsi. Uh, thank you for sticking with us through the technical issues. I want to thank Arctic Mine, Scott and Doug, Need Money 90 for uh, talking with me and making sure I don't have to do this all on my own. It's a big deal. Thank you guys for, for joining us on this. Yeah, River. Hey, thanks for hosting. It's been good to be here. Uh, I'll see you in a, a week or two because this has been a late coffee chat. So the next one's going to be uh, fairly close. Okay. Uh, we will say goodbye to everybody signing off.